Warning, MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener discretion is advised. We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. We're not happy and dilly. Don't go around with Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you guys get your podcasts. If you guys are looking for more of our content, you can also check out our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows, like the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. You'll also find news, reviews, articles, and of course, our Misfits store. I'm Paul, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm just doing the intro for you guys today. Uh, today we have a great interview. We are talking to Mr. Aaron Whitfield. Now, Aaron was fantastic. He and I connected uh, via podcasting groups on Facebook, and he is an interesting guy. He was an educator, motivational speaker, big book nerd, former minister, hip-hop nerd, and more. So we had a really interesting talk and a really big talk about how mental health is such a big topic, especially for men. So Aaron was fantastic, and I really hope that you guys, if you're dealing with any sort of struggles or challenges, he's the kind of guy that you want to reach out to. Before we get started, though, I have to do a very big thank you to Podbean. For those of you guys who have been listening to us for, you know, since we started, we've always been uh, hosted by Podbean, and it has been the place where we send all of our podcasts. They have been such a big support and such a big help to get us going and get us started. And this month, the month of January 2023, we were one of their featured podcasts. So a lot of you guys might have seen us on there. You might have found us that way. And we want to give Podbean a really big thank you for not only being so supportive, but also putting us on the featured page. And with that being said, on with the show. Hey guys, it's Paul, and the Misfit Faction is looking for your help. We are trying to grow not only our network, but also grow our brands, and the best way to do that is if you guys are looking to start your very own podcast. Maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while. Maybe it's something you guys have always wanted to do, but you're not sure how to get started. If you go to podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you guys will get a month of free podcasting on us. That is a gift from us. So make sure if you guys are looking to start your own show, you reach out to us and go to podbean.com slash misfitfaction. Also, maybe you guys have your own online business or service. You're always looking to grow, and advertising is a very big part of that. If you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you guys can get $100 worth of free advertising, again, as a thank you from us to you guys. That's sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfitfaction. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcast. You can also find us more of our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows like the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul, with me in the studio or via the Zoom studio, as I love to call it, because that's what COVID did. It created Zoom and made it a lot easier for people to connect in different ways. I have Mr. Aaron Whitfield. Aaron, how are you today? Yo, I am doing well. It's a beautiful day. I'm excited to be here with you and see where this conversation goes. So I already have a good feeling about it because for those of you guys who don't know, I don't just start a random conversation with somebody and then press record as I start that conversation. Aaron and I said, you know, we chatted for a few minutes beforehand and, and the vibe was there. And it's very rare that the vibe is just right there. Like you, you feel it, you know it. So I'm excited to see where this conversation goes as well. So Aaron, why don't you tell our listeners just a little quick intro about yourself? Like if you had to introduce yourself to somebody, what would be the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, you know, I am a person of many hats. I'm a podcaster. I'm an educator. I'm a father. I'm a motivational speaker, minister. 
I am a little bit of everything and all those things make up who I am. I'm also a black introvert, which I'm sure we'll get into later on, but I, I am a person of many talents, many passions, and I just, you know, try to lead my life with my heart. I love it, man. That That's like awesome. Cause you seem very genuine, just very real, very like, here's me. It's either you like it or you don't. And either way, we're cool. Like it's good. Yeah, it, it took me some time to get here. I'm 38. And so I spent a large part of my life chasing perfection. And and I made up my mind once I turned 30 and I went through this process of like life sucks to not chase perfection, but to chase purpose. Mm-hmm. And so each day I, I really do. I wake up and like, how can I chase purpose? I'm not perfection. because I'm definitely not that, but I am. I'm absolutely purposeful. I love that. Because like, so I went through, when I was young, I, I trained in martial arts and a big part of it was, you know, finding your life's purpose, your worthy ideal. Like what, what are you here to do? And that's one of those things that over the years, like same thing, like I, I, I tried to trace perfection for a long time. And like when you're young, you think you can make anything perfect. And then mm-hmm. you, then you experience life. And unfortunately life makes you realize that it so many shades, like so many different ways about the world that you can't even define perfect, much less create it. Yeah, no, it, you're, you're right. It's um, we've tried it and, and we failed. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and even with chasing job positions, I spent my 20s chasing job positions as if that is some sort of ful- fulfillment too. And, and it just left me empty. But I realized that I have purpose, you know, and, and wherever I go, whether it's at my job, at the grocery store, in my home, in my community, I'm trying to make purposeful impact with those who, who I'm around. I love that, man. That that's awesome. You know, you don't find a lot of people that are just have like that genuine just want to to do good or do just a little good in the world. Like I, I find that a little good goes so far, especially nowadays. You know, like people have been miserable. Yeah. Like it, it sucks. Like I, I work with kids and I work with specifically high school kids. So it's even funnier that you and I are chatting and we'll get into that in a second. But uh, you, you talk to some of these high school kids and they're, they're so far behind now. Like they're just, they're not as social. They're not as friendly. They don't understand social norms and cues. And I find that if you just go out of your way to just be a little extra nice or just do something good, even like something tiny, it goes a long way. And I think that goes for adults, not just kids too. It's huge. It's a small, I call it, you know, taking moments and creating momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those small moments that allow us to create positive momentum. It's just saying hi, asking and genuinely asking, how is your day going? Or picking up, you know, a, a certain talent that somebody has, or just laughing and joking and and that connection. And so, you know, it I, I really do. I look for those small moments to create positive momentum, not only in the person's life who I'm talking to or connecting with, but also my own life. It is that energy, that vibe, it's just, it's good for both parties. Yeah. And I think energy is a big thing. Like you, it's something that you just feel and you just, you can't explain it, but like it's, you just click. And I find that people who are genuine, people who want to do good just for the sake of doing good, like not for recognition, not for prestige, you know, it's like people who work really hard at their job just to get promoted. Like I like working hard at my job just because I I like to work hard. I like to do things. I like to create a positive environment and a positive atmosphere. So I, I really just, like I said, when I introed you, the, the vibe is there and I, and I really enjoy it. So you are an educator. And yeah. during our pre-show, we kind of talked a little bit about it. And I'm really excited to, to have this conversation with you because one of my favorite things about this show in particular that we do is that we tackle things that 
people have trouble talking about. So in your education fields, you are a huge advocate for mental health. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? You know, a lot of it came from going through hell in my 20s. I went through a period in my 20s in which after I graduated from college, the world was black and white. It was right or wrong. It was left or right. And 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 I tried to create this projection of manhood, this projection of success, and ultimately everything crumbled. I am I'm 38. I lived through the through the depression or of 2008 during that time in which I lost every single thing. I lost it. I lost my job, I lost my car, I lost my my living situation, my house, and I ended up losing my mental health. And so I had to go through a point of of depression. I I, I went to I went to a, to a church one day and and when the, the speaker was talking about have you ever woke up and and just felt a black cloud over you. I was like, well, yes. And and he was, he went further. He said, you know, he felt it for a year and then two years and three years. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. I I I I've have like, I went through like five years of what I call my dark years of self-infliction, of self-sabotage, of depression, of anxiety. And as I sat there, I knew I was struggling with my mental health and I had to make the call. What do I do now? I went to counseling and I've been in counseling for seven straight years, six or seven straight years wow. every Saturday. And and it's helped because I'm a person who helps people just naturally. I will, I help people. I invest in people. I speak to people. I want to see the good in people, but I need people to also do the same thing for me. And so counseling provided me that soundboard and really that space to help remedy and, and build my mental health to the point now where I can look myself in the mirror and and be satisfied with, no, I'm not perfect. But the man that I look at in the mirror has so much purpose. And, and you know, really, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. That's that's really powerful. That's like really interesting stuff, because. Like I'm, I'm a guy who similar boat, like I struggled. I really struggled, especially after high school and especially after college. Like, what am I, what am I going to do with my life? I went through a career path that I was really passionate about. And then suddenly it was, here's my career path. Here's another career path that I can take. I would be giving up everything to go to that career path. My entire life would change. And, you know, I had to take that step. And now I'm, I'm in a career path where I'm, you know, I met my wife through my career, which is awesome. She's fantastic. Everybody knows her on the show as producer Melanie. That's her her title, even though she only comes on every once in a while, the rare appearance. But do you find that men especially struggle with the with just having a conversation about mental health? Do you think it's gotten better in more recent years? Or do you still have that whole, you know, rub some dirt in it kind of mentality? Yeah, I think with, I think with, with, you know, our generation, my generation, the younger generations, I think it's more of a topic of conversation. And, and, and we can admit our struggles, our personal struggles, the pressures, the pressures of manhood, of what does manhood look like? What does it sound like? We are able now to take some time to almost deconstruct that and, and see that manhood is not the goal. We're just being satisfied with whoever we are. 
that's the goal. And so I think it's gotten better, but I also think there's another, there's another, there's a greater push because we each day we face different pressures and mounting pressures. And so, you know, we'll see men who are crumbling in their mental health, who are, who are older, who are, who are, you know, in their thirties, forties, twenties. I, I, I know of, you know, kids who are in middle school mm-hmm. who are struggling with their mental health, elementary school who were struggling with their mental health. And so I'm glad that the conversation has started, but we still have a long way to go. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially for men, we were always taught to be the, the tough ones, the providers, you know, the, the protectors. I've been married for two years officially. Mm-hmm. We had our COVID wedding and then we had our reception. So we always say we got married twice. It's a, it's our little joke. People <laughs> get very confused. But like when we first were getting very serious and like we moved in together and then like I had this challenge within myself. This was purely a me thing where I was like, I have to provide. I have to work extra hard. I have to pay for everything. I have to do all these things. And it wasn't until my wife and I really sat down because she could see it was taking a toll on me because I was taking on all this responsibility. And she was like, we're we're partners. You don't have to do that. Like we work together. And it was then when I really took a step back and I was like, where is my mental health? Where Where am I? Like, I thought I had all these responsibilities that are just a product of you know, the way the world views men, especially. So that's when I started talking to someone. So I have somebody that I talk to and I, and I am big advocate for, you don't need to have a quote unquote mental health problem to go talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the stigma a little bit, but you, you're in a counseling, is it a group? Is it a one-on-one if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a one-on-one. It's a yeah. one-on-one every Saturday morning. And, and I think it's, it's, in some ways, now it's more preventative care. Mm-hmm. It's preventative care. You know, it, I feel like my mental health is pretty good, but it can, it can be better. Right. And also, and just being able to sit and talk and hash things out, and 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 every session is not difficult or a tearjerker. Sometimes it's just what happened during the week. Actually, most times, like what happened during the week. Where are my thoughts? It's, it's it helps me become more organized and for me to express all of the experiences, conversations that I did not have throughout the week. And so, you know, it's it's, it's a wonderful experience. I recommend it for everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, the ability to, to speak in a space unfiltered, unbiased, is so healthy. We, we oh. all need that release. We all need that release. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like when my wife comes home, the first thing she wants to do on most days, she wants to tell me all the all the drama, all the tea, as she likes to call it, you know, yeah. and that's she doesn't want me to give her a solution or or solve a problem for her. And I, it took me a long time to learn this because, again, newly married, still learning. But like I had to learn that she was just letting it out like it, it was just so pent up. And it, I totally agree. Sometimes you just need it's not because you're looking for a solution or, you know, I like to think of it almost like a mental, like you, you check your car, like you do tune-ups on your car. Your mind's the same way. You have to do checkups. You have to make sure your, your engine's running the right way. So I, I think, again, like I said before, a lot of people think that you need to have some sort of real issue to go seek help. Yeah. I think you just, sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. That's it. That's it. And just to Someone to talk to who can handle not that not taking on your burdens, but it's it's a release. Mm-hmm. It's a release. We have we we have so much. I think as people, 
so many experiences that we have suppressed. We have so, so many, so much pent up emotions that sometimes we need that release before we either explode or implode. And I, I've done both. I've done both. I've exploded and I've imploded and it's, and it's ugly both times. And so now I'm at a place where I can do a healthy release, a healthy release that doesn't involve self-sabotage, a healthy release that does not, that does not harm self, family and things of that nature, you know? And so counseling is, is, is wonderful. It, I mean, I can't recommend it any, you know, anymore. It's just try it, try it. Yep. Even to anyone once. listening, just try it, try it once, try it twice, because it is a simple investment into yourself. You know, this is a self-investment. Few things can go wrong with counseling. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where if you do it right, if it's the right connection, nothing but greatness, not good, but greatness can come out of it. Oh, I love that. That's that's really awesome, man. Now, another thing that you did that you and I immediately clicked on also is you were involved with an academic center in a library, I want to say? Yes. Yes, please tell tell our listeners about it, especially because if my wife's actually listening to this, she's going to light up and be so mad that I did not actually go upstairs and drag her down here. Yo, it's, it was life changing. It was life changing. So so in the midst of my depression and where I really, really needed a job, I tell people I wasn't broke. I needed more money to be broke. I was just I was just B.R.O. I was just broke. Like I, I wanted money to be broke. So in my in the middle of my extra broke phase. I applied to a job at a library, two jobs, actually. I ended up getting this job as a working in this academic center, and I was nervous. I was so nervous because math is not my strong point. And, and it was expected that I would do calculus and pre-calculus and trigonometry. I'm like, this is not what I do. I'm an English literature major. This is not what I do. But I walked into the job on the first day with so many questions, with so many fears, grateful that I had the job because I needed the money, but wondering and questioning myself whether or not I could keep the job. I walked to the back and I saw so many beautiful faces. And, and the first thing I thought was like, oh my gosh, how can I help these smart, beautiful, wonderful kids? And it was like 80 to 100 kids looking at me like, who is this new guy? What's he going to bring to the table? And primarily East or West African students from Nigeria, Guinea, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia, Kenya, Sierra Leone. And I looked at them and I committed myself to providing whatever I had, whatever I had inwardly, whatever I had within to them. I, I couldn't teach them calculus, mm -hmm. but I learned that I could help them with life problems. And, and that was the eye-opening experience. I gave them my best and, and they absolutely changed my life for the better. They absolutely changed my life for the better. I was blessed to be a part of that program, to lead that program for eight years. And you would have, to see the amount of change in eight years, to know someone for eight years is to watch a child go from not having a mustache to a full-grown beard. You know, it's it's a weird sort of wild, phase. Yeah. It's wild to watch high schoolers who you first meet graduate from college, and or watch some get married. And it was such a beautiful experience for eight years and highly successful. Working with the population that I worked with, we had a hundred percent graduation rate. 
high school graduation rate. Crazy numbers. Over 94% of the kids went to college. You know, it it was so successful. It was successful because, because they bought into the community and the family aspect and culture that was within that center. That that's man, I got chills. Like I just I literally I'm sitting here going, like I'm I forget that I'm actually hosting this and I'm sitting there like just enthralled. <laughs> so it's it's funny because like you know, I work with high school kids myself and this was last year was my first year at that school where I saw the entire rotation, freshman to senior. Mm-hmm. And it is wild. Like you watch these kids grow up and some of them like stay a part of your life. Like one of our one of my students is is a very avid fan of the podcast. So a big shout out to my friend Marissa, who lovely young lady. She wants to be an actress and a dancer. And she's just, you know, but I, I get it. Like I it's so cool to see you're such a big part of a child's life and then an adult's life. Like the idea that they're gonna look back and be like, that's the person that that got me here. Just awesome. That's it. You know, and it's a, it's an honor. You know, I, I tell them that, you know, even though I don't work there anymore, some of them go to the university that I work and, and, you know, I'm so connected to a little bit of everybody in that program. And, and so I tell them that it was an honor. Like, yeah, this is my job. This is my job position. Yeah, whatever. But this is more so my life purpose more than my job position. You know, this is what I would do every single day. And, and, you know, for instance, it, it took, they, I met them at a place in which I needed to meet them. You know, I, I remember I wasn't having a great day when it came to my mental health and my self-image. And one of my students, she, she asked for help with homework and I helped her, you know, as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And she said, thank you, Mr. Aaron, you know, you really changed, helped change my life. And I tried to dismiss it. I was like, oh, no, no, no. And she was only like in like, I would say like fifth grade, fifth grade. And she said, no, you're not understanding what I'm saying. You really changed my life. And it was that seed where it's like, she had to really get me together. Like, Aaron, listen, take this bit of positivity and plant it in your soul and your spirit and allow it to grow. And, and uh, it was, it, you know, it's instances like that, you know, and more than her and, and, you know, other folks that just allowed me to see, to see that I am necessary, that I have skills, I have gifts, that I have, I have passions. I have, I'm a little quirky, I'm, I'm different, I'm unique, but it all works together for, for the greater good. And so, yeah, that place absolutely changed my life. That's awesome, man. Like, again, I don't want to harp on it too much, but just the idea, and you said it like, to be able to just be a part of any kid's life. Like some people don't like kids and that's totally okay. But I think just doing good for the sake of good will always give you a sense of fulfillment that you can't, you just can't explain to people. Yeah. So now speaking of which, one of the things you told me is that you're a former minister. Yes. So I, I got to ask, you know, like what's, what's the story behind that? Former minister. So, so, you know, it's weird. I, I have so many stories about ministry. I have a love of ministry, a love of God, a love of serving God's people, love of serving people. How about that? Not just God's people, but people in general. And I spent about eight years in ministry and, and I was, uh, there's, a, there's a good and a bad. We, we could talk about the good and the bad, right? I mean, this is, you know, put it all out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I was part of a very dynamic church coming out of high school. I'm sorry, coming out of a church that I helped, that I helped start with a person who at the time was like my mentor. He was leading the church 
and the church was growing. I was so in love with ministry and there was a disagreement and I ended up getting kicked out of the church. Oh, and that was about 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it really took some time. I'm just now, to be honest with you, I'm just now getting to the point where I'm like, I want to go back to church a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that took a toll. That took an emotional toll when, you know, we were kicked out, excommunicated and, and the timing of which it happened around my, the birth of my first son, mm-hmm. the birth of my first child, my son. And so I know church hurt. I know, I understand that, that there are people who have been hurt within the church. And so now I have a greater understanding of that experience, but also I can see the church for what it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I still do ministry every now and then people will ask me to come and preach at their church and things of that nature. And I have a love for it. I really want to do it, but I won't pimp the people. Mm. I won't, I, I, I won't sell myself for glorification when, when, when there's real business to be done. And so, and that's not only with, with church, that's just in general, you know, I'm not for sale. I make a choice where I invest myself, but, but I'm not for sale. And so, and so I love church. I love ministry, but I'm also the type of person who I, I don't like, I don't like foolishness. Man, I don't, and I don't like atmospheres in which people are taken advantage of and essentially manipulated. Wow. Like it's, it's funny. Cause we we've talked on the show a little bit about religion. We did a, a whole series on morals and ethics, which because mm-hmm. one of the co-hosts he couldn't be here tonight, unfortunately, he is, he is just rediscovering religion, like part of his his family and just the way that their you know family dynamics change. You get married, you you start taking on other things that maybe you weren't used to. I was raised Lutheran, and I I had to go to church every Sunday. I had to do like the, their version of CCD and all that stuff. So I as I grew up, once I was old enough, my my parents they were like, "It's your decision. What what do you want to do? Like it's it's your religion. It's mm-hmm. your faith." And I found myself like I I was having an, an existential crisis about religion at like thirteen because yeah. you know it, there's a lot of emphasis on it, especially among the older generation. Yes, and for me, I am not a big fan of organized religion for a lot of the reasons that you expressed just now. I find that my faith, I can, I'm just the kind of person that always says, if religion is, is something that works for you, I'll never disparage it. That's, that's what makes you feel a certain way. And I can't justify how you feel. Yeah. What kind of, I hate to say, what kind of asshole would I be? No, that's real. You're wrong for feeling good about something. Like that's like bullying in middle school. So for me, I always say that I believe that there is something so much bigger than me out there. And whether it's a certain religious aspect or or a way that the world is viewed after, like when I die and I hopefully go somewhere, I want to, I want to be surprised. I want to be like, oh, they got, you know, some things in the Bible were right. Some things were wrong. But for me, I find that church, and it took me a long time to learn this because I was very anti-church for so long. Church is a lot like a lot of other things where it's about the community. It's about that. Do good for the sake of good. Just be a part of something. Like you can go to church and a good church, you're going to feel good there. You're going to feel good leaving. And I, I like the reasons that you brought up. Like you, you're very self-aware. I've noticed like you are not one to be like ignoring the bad parts, but like as somebody who's experienced them, I think it gives you a great perspective. If you don't mind my saying, of course. No, thank you. But so, yeah, I like 
for, from somebody who does not find religion to be the thing for him, I still love talking to people about it. No, it's, it's you know, I, I've embraced faith, especially heading into my 30s. You know, I said in my 20s, everything was black and white. Everything was right or wrong. Everything was left or right. And my 30s taught me how to, yes, acknowledge the black and white, but how to exist in the gray of life. And so as I interacted with people who were, who who had different religions or or faith systems outside of mine, you know, working at the library in which I have kids who are who are in the Buddhist faith or who who are a is really a predominantly Muslim community in which I'm which I worked at the time. Mm-hmm. I realized that God is bigger than any definition that I have. And so my job when I boil life down, my job is to love people, help people, and bridge people, regardless of religion, regardless of whatever it may be. That's that's my purpose. That's my that's my walk. And so, you know, I embrace going into my 30s. Like I don't need to know everything. I'm not God. Clearly I'm not him. Or I'm not God and him, her, whatever it may be. I'm not. And that's okay. I don't have to have all the answers. I just need to walk within what I feel is my purpose. And that's to love, help and bridge people. That's awesome. See, again, same, same kind of mentality, like to quantify something that big and that powerful, like who, who am I? Like yeah. who, who the heck am I to be like, this is the only, dif-? like, so that's why I, I, I like it. Cause again, I feel like for you, it's really about just doing good, just doing good and, and putting people on paths. And, you know, you may not agree with me, but like, that's what's good for you. And I, and I think you, you see it and you respect yep. it in a, in a very good way. And I, I like it. I really do. Like I'm being so genuine. Like I've had people on here that talk about religion or I had all sorts of conversations. And sometimes when you bring up religion, it's, it's a taboo subject, almost like politics or anything else where everybody just kind of is like really at each other. Yeah. I find that our, our country in particular has lost the ability to have a conversation. Absolutely. And it's always, like my opinion versus your opinion, no in between. I love different opinions. Like have a conversation with me, sway me to your side, give me facts. Like, you know, I talk about politics with my, uh, with my dad, just to, more just to rile him up. Cause I like getting him <laughs> torqued up. He's very passionate, mm-hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, like we can still have a conversation. Yeah. And I think starting the dialogue is always the most important thing first. There's nuance and there's learning opportunities within conversation, conversation with anybody, with a child, with with an elder, with a peer, with a colleague. There's something to be learned and something to be cleaned. And so, yeah, I don't look at um at com- I don't I don't do debates. Mm-hmm. That was from my 20s <laughs> during those black and white times, which which we could argue over religions or or argue over LeBron James, Michael Jordan. You're like we're not going <laughs> to we're not going to arrive at a point. But I do conversations because I look at everyone like I can learn something from you. You can impact my life in a positive way, and and I hope and I know that I can impact your life in a positive way. So yeah, I look for those type of connections. So speaking of learning something, there is, there is one fun fact about you. We'll we'll, we'll go to a lighter subject really quick. Because I feel like you and I could talk about just just having a conversation for hours. I feel like I already feel it. Absolutely. So fun fact about Aaron, for those of you guys listening at home, he is a huge hip hop nerd. I am. I now, am. For someone who not the biggest hip hop guy, I'll be honest. I love music. 
and mm-hmm. I'll always listen to different styles of music. My playlist is the weirdest playlist. Like you'll, I'll go from like dramatic opera to like rock and roll to a little bit of rap and then this and like it's it's all over. So tell me a little bit about your love for hip hop. Oh my gosh, my love for hip hop started like in 1992 when I was eight years old. And I bought my first, well, no, I didn't buy it. My brother bought, it was the Warren G Regulate song, like the album, and it had parental advisory on it. And and it was like, oh my gosh, this is a crazy explicit album. I'm eight. It was sort of taboo at the time with these <laughs> stickers. I felt like a rebel. And we had it, we listened to it. And then my dad broke it with the hammer the next day. Yeah, that's what happens. That, that's that the 90s let's say the 90s with the Dude, sticker. like you you and i are actually very close in age so i'm, I'm 35 for those mm-hmm. of you guys who don't know so like you and i are like in that same generation where the 90s was a great time to push the envelope like in every i wasn't allowed to watch mtv mtv was banned in my house i wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons i still have not seen an episode of south park same here i saw the movie though <laughs> saw it, the movie like it was- it was weird. It was weird. It's like, what? Like, and I get it now being a father, I get mm-hmm. it now, the hammer and bringing it to the, the, the music, but you know, I, I didn't allow that opportunity or that circumstance really to kill my love for hip hop. I mean, I listening to the radio, I used to tape songs off the radio. That's how old I am. I know how to put the, the tissue in the corner of the old tapes and, and, you know, dub it off the radio, but really it was listening to Nas in 1993 and listening to the to the storytelling aspects of hip hop that changed my life. I started writing songs, poems, probably right about that time. I remember being in fourth grade. I wrote a, I wrote a Christmas rap about, I shot Santa Claus. And (laughs) of course, of course I did. Um, And, and, but it was, it was, it was nice. It was a good rap. Like it was good for it, fourth grade. It just kind of flowed nice. Yeah, I, I can, absolutely. I can it was storytelling. Everybody was laughing, but the teacher, and that's how I knew it was a good. It was the 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 crowd reaction. The audience enjoyed it, but the teacher did not, and therefore I was punished. That was the ultimate testament to anything as a child. Yeah. Like if, if the teacher, it's even better nowadays when it. Like again, I work in a high school, so. When the teachers laugh at like the kids, that's why I like working in a high school because you can kind of you can you can go back and forth with the kids a little bit. Mm-hmm. If they make me laugh, like that's that's all I need. I'm like, all right, I'm done. You guys it's want the win. It's yeah. the win. I, I didn't win on that day, but I discovered like I discovered how to write. Mm-hmm. And to this day, nearly 30 years later, I still write rhymes. That's awesome. I still, I mean, not every day because I have a family, I have a job, I have a career and I'm old, but, but I try to carve out some time just throughout the day, just to see if I still have it. And I'm actually writing better now than what I did back then. But hip hop has played a huge role in my life. It has played a huge role in how I approach people with the community aspect. A lot of what I do with, with the college students that I work with is based on some of the principles of hip hop, of community, of togetherness, of empowerment. Yeah, it's just hip hop is, is you know, definitely one of my first loves. That's awesome, man. Like, I, I, I'm a storyteller. That's why I started podcasting, because I, I like to talk. Who knew? And it's something like, you know, a lot of people in my life are like, you're really, you're good at it. Like it's something you're good at. The last interview I did, I was talking to him. He's a, he was a writer. He wrote a, a book that we were talking about. And I told him, I was like, for me, if I could podcast all the time and just do that and be totally like, I would be good. It's the editing and the scheduling and then this and that, yes. like 
when you and I were scheduling, I there used to be a time where I'd be like, oh, let me send you to my Calendly link and you can pick a time. I was like, well, just do it right now because otherwise I'm not going to do it. I'm, yeah, I know absolutely. myself. Yep. And like this, this is what I love to do. And this is what I'm passionate about. So um, from somebody who's, you know, you're, you're obviously speaking from a point of passion and I don't think you're a professional hip hop artist as long, as far as I know. No, 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 no. I, I, I spent some time ghostwriting, but no, it, the funny thing is, and being a, you know, a black introvert, which is, you know, essentially what my podcast is about. Yeah, bro. I'm about to plug you. So that's yeah, perfect. People don't even know I write music. <laughs> you know, people don't know I have, I would say I probably have, if I look over the years, probably close to like 3,000 songs written. Oh, wow. I also make beats, okay? No one really knows. I probably have close to 1,000 beats just, just sitting on this this laptop because I'm an introvert and it's my art and I'm nervous about sharing my art and things like that. In fact, I have a book of rhymes. I have rhymes right here to, you know, to my right. Like it's, it's such a part of me. So now I'm at the point in being 38 where I almost want to release some. You know, I, I don't know how I'm going to release it. Maybe in a, in somewhat of a podcast, adult storytelling form. I thought about that somewhat of like an NPR, tiny desk type of format. But I definitely want to release some of my music because it's part of my story. Yeah. And I'm learning how to embrace my story in all aspects of my story, including my love of hip hop and being a nerd for hip hop music. That's awesome, man. Now you, you mentioned it. I'll plug it because I want to oh. talk about it myself because I want to hear a little bit more about it. You are another podcaster. Yes. So tell our listeners about your show. Yo, my show is called The Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert Podcast. I'll say it again. It's a whole lot within the title. The Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert Podcast. And essentially, it started off, it was going to be a podcast in which I, I would give people like humorous stories of interactions I had throughout my life. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a a funny storytelling. I've had some weird things pop up, some humor, some humorous things that popped up, but it changed on episode two, in which I started speaking about real, real life experiences and sharing my story, you know, and, and how I view the world as a as a black man in America, as a middle class black man in America, as an introverted black man in America, a different perspective, and and it's really grown. I mean. I now have close to, I would say close to 300 episodes. And at this point of my life, especially with this podcast, this podcast for me is not necessarily about views or listens or anything like that. Cause I don't really pub it. I'm an introvert. I don't really pub it as much as I should. Mm -hmm. But now I'm using it as a verbal, almost record for my children. You know, in, in, in the event, eventually I'm going to die. Okay. But I could at least leave you my voice and my stories. My sister-in-law died when she was 28. And one of the, the things that I cherished most is that she had a little tape recorder where she was interviewing, she was interviewing like hip hop artists in Washington, DC. And, and and I get to remember her voice. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so that's what I'm using this podcast for. My students listen to it also. People listen to it. And, and I hope, you know, you all who are listening to this podcast will listen to it also. But, you know, this is it's, it's really it's it's my life that's being played out week by week. And it, it could be hot topics. It could be about whatever's in the news. Currently, I'm doing a series called Working While Black. That's really taking a lot out of me emotionally. But uh, yeah. um, it's just my perspectives, you know, on life and, and you know, and the experiences that I've had. Oh man, that, that's really cool. Cause like nowadays you, you talk to podcasters and we started podcasting like eight, nine years ago. 
And we, we took a little bit of a break and then it became just a, we want to socialize. We want to hang out with each other. And we're already talking about all this nerdy stuff and all these different things. Might as well crack a few beers and turn on a microphone and just do our thing. And we've gone through a lot of highs. We've gone through a lot of lows. And then it's once we got to that same realization where it was just about like, we're just hanging out, having fun and being, being friends, the whole show shifted and mm -hmm. everything shifted. And so many podcasters think that they're going to start and suddenly become the next Joe Rogan or something yeah. like that. And they're going to be, you know, multi-billionaires and all that stuff. Would I love to make podcasting my life, my lifestyle and my livelihood? Absolutely. If I could, but it's not my goal. And I find that that makes it a much better experience because at one point it turned into that. It turned into, all right, well, what sponsors do we have this month? What am I going to plug? How many reviews am I going to do? We got to do like 14 episodes this month. Yep. Like it turned into such a, a hassle and a headache and just not fun. Yeah. So. It, I, I went through the same thing where it's like, where I, I took the fun out of it. I was checking my numbers every single day. Oh yeah. And I'm like, what, what am I doing? Like, I know better. I know better, but I became so obsessive about the things that I could not control. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it took a toll, like it took the fun out of it. And so I used to have a strict schedule. I'm going to do a podcast every Sunday and every Wednesday. Now I, I am wise enough and old enough to sort of let things breathe. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and I'm pretty regular with, with, with releasing episodes, but sometimes they need to marinate a little bit. I need to be able to, I don't want to force an episode out of me. It's just like writing music. I don't want to just create it just to do it and not love it. Well, it's funny because like for our show here, we started off and we we managed to hit it big with a with a a producer or a publicist, like right off the gate with this show in particular. This show's our our newest show. It's only been around for about a year. We're we're close to about our ten thousand downloads, which is exciting. But uh, it, it it took off running, and mm -hmm. I was doing five interviews a week, Ooh. like five at one point, and just. It was just not, interview after interview. And then it turned into like, was I enjoying it? Was I having fun? And then, so we took a break from interviews for a long time and we just restarted them. And I'm really glad like, you know, you and I get to connect because it's something that I am very passionate about. So I like, I get it. I, I'm right there with you where, you know, it turned, it went from one thing to another. And then once you kind of like change your perspective on it, it got fun again and it got enjoyable again. So that's, that's awesome, man. It's huge to still have fun, you know, oh, yeah. in, in your 30s. And uh, and what I realized, like, that everything doesn't have to be about money. Mm -hmm. You know, some, sometimes, I mean, even with, I, I fell out of love with writing music because I wasn't signed to a record label and I wasn't, you know, the, the top rapper or whatever. I fell out of love with it and I stopped writing for years. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I fell out of love with this is because I tried to make everything professional. I tried to be, if 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 I was going to do something creative, it had to be a moneymaker. No, now at this point in my life, I just need to do things that are creative just for my soul. This is counseling too. Podcast is a form oh, yeah. of counseling and therapy and release too. Writing music, same thing. Writing in general is the same thing. So it's it's it's, it's not for the money, but it's for the investment. And that goes Ooh, back that to makes, how we, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It goes right back to how we started the episode, investing in yourself. And that's that it. is, that's awesome, man. So we are running a little low on time for our listeners. How can they find your show? 
Oh my gosh, definitely, you know, search up the Semi-Social Life of a Black Introvert podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you can get a podcast, I am going to be there. Also check out my website, it's called IamMufali.com, I'm going to spell that out. I-A-M-M-U-F-A-L-I. I have my podcast on there as well as my teacher development series for educators and my library de- development series for all libraries or librarians or youth development specialists in libraries. So definitely check that out too as in addition to some of my music tastes, fashion tips, things like that. So you know, awesome. You held out on me. I, I, w- I wasn't ready for not see now I'm going to be on your website after this. Now I'm going to be posting about it. So yeah, we'll put it on our web on our Facebook page. So that way, if anybody is looking for it, they know how to get to it. Cool. 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 I appreciate it. Aaron, this, this was a pleasure and I would love to follow up with you and I would love to, to get my wife down here. Cause I feel like she would kick me out just to talk to you. Oh my gosh. We got so many libraries st- tales, the the good, the bad. I have some ugly. I definitely have some ugly because there's some work to be done in the library. So absolutely, I would love to. Oh, that's awesome. Because for those of you guys who don't know and or don't remember my my wife, she has a book page on Instagram. So make sure you guys check out Bibliophiles Assemble to uh, check out some of her book work. But Aaron, thank you again so much. Like seriously, this was an honor. This was a, a privilege for me. And I really do want to reach out and talk to you again soon. Now, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm honored. This was beautiful. We had to do it again. Yes, sir. You have a good night. All right. You too. Thank you. Man, that, that was, that was, I I need to lay down. This was powerful. This was awesome. Like Aaron was fantastic. And um, I'm really glad that he and I connected on Facebook and just that was better than I can possibly imagine. So make sure you guys go check out his stuff. Go check out his show. Let him know that we sent you. Don't forget, you can get more of our content on our website, TheMisfitFaction.com. You can also find us on all social medias from Facebook to Podbean uh, to Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Look up The Misfit Faction. Odds are you'll find some of our stuff. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.